Welcome to the Restoration Church Podcast. To learn more about our church, give, share a prayer request, or access our weekly worship guide, visit us at www.restorationlex.com slash this week. Uh, as many of you know, my oldest started middle school this year. Gulp. And... Um, we were, as a family, we were a ball of excitement and fear. Noah, Isaiah, was very much full of fear and, and all the things that you hear about middle school, like hormones and um, bullies and, you know, figuring out who you are and all the drama. It's a lot to take in. And I remember that morning as we were dropping him off, we were all so nervous. He was nervous. He was looking as cool as he could look, had his LeBrons on, and, you know, he was, he was doing well, but still very, very nervous. We were nervous, but as we walked up to the school, and, and you know, I, I didn't know how to drop him off. I didn't want to embarrass him, but we were walking all the way up to the front door, of course, but then his, like, two or three friends came at the same time, and it's just like all of that nervousness just washed off of him, and he walked literally into, like, the rest of this new journey of life without that fear, without that sort of nerves because they were walking in together. And thankfully for most of us, middle school has passed. Um, But that truth has not. When we walk into new spaces, new seasons, new struggles of life, when we walk into those places, it's in walking together. It's in finding those people we can enter into those struggles together that make all the difference. And that's what we are giving our attention to in this series, Why church is asking the question that many of our neighbors are asking at this point in our world. Why, why even bother with church? Why even bother dealing with the problems and the issues that we're facing right now? And, and, and so in that, we've talked about how church is not the mission itself. It's the outcome of God's mission. It's what comes out of it because Jesus's focus wasn't on talking about the church. It was talking about the kingdom of God. And the church is what happened out of this. Church has never been the point of church. We've talked about this quite a bit here the last couple of weeks. Church is what we become when we gather around as a family around the mission of Jesus. We gather around the mission of this and we form a different kind of community, a new kind of community that has a new kind of solidarity together. Because in the same way that we say in talking about church that it is the outcome of the mission, the same is also true about community. Community is bigger than community. Just community for itself is not the point of community. I've been reading this book called Tribe by Sebastian Younger. He's a, uh, he's a wartime journalist, travels overseas, and when people go into war, and he follows them around different places. And he talks about the power of belonging in this book, about how when soldiers come home from overseas after being at war, how they feel this immediate sense of a lack of belonging because they had such a tight-knit community. Their unit that they're fighting with was such a family that when they come back, this lack of mission, this lack of connection around that mission brings them to, in many places to a deep sense of depression. He shares about how white settlers were sometimes in the early parts of the 16th, 1700s were getting kidnapped by Native Americans and when they were rescued would go back because the sense of community and belonging was so powerful with the Native tribes 
that when they came to the, back to their white settlements, it just could not live up to the type of family he found. He talked about how in the, uh, the, the, the London Blitz during World War II, when there's bombs falling, they expected ahead of Germany bombing for 57 days straight, they expected mental health to go nuts, to decline in all areas in, in London. But during those 57 days, during the time that London was bombed, the mental wards were almost empty. Depression levels dropped significantly because there was a sense of purpose and mission together. So in a way, a crisis of community is really a crisis of mission when we think about this. In an absence of, of belonging, when we don't feel like we belong, it's really an absence at the same time of, of purpose. Maybe the same is true for us. Community is, is not really the outcome of, the, it is the outcome of the mission. It's not the mission of itself. And so, like, as a pastor, in 18 years now, which is hard to believe of being in ministry, I've probably preached on community more than anything else. I've been in every single training that has ever existed in the history of God's church on how to do community. I have been read, I've read every book you could possibly think of, the next great thing about how to get people into community in the church. I've done everything I could write, and believe me, I've done everything I could possibly do wrong. I always tell people, restoration's kind of the research and development wing of the church. We try it out and screw it up and then try again, and then everybody else can see how it works. We love trying new things and new expressions of community, new ways of getting people connected, new methods of finding the mission of God that we have together and joining together. And my five favorite words in the whole Bible, as we understand the mission that gives birth to community, it's spoken by Jesus in Revelation chapter 21, verse 5. I think these are, personally, I think these are the five most important words in the entire Bible. Revelation 21.5, Jesus speaks these words as a promise of not just the future, but a promise of the present. He says, I am making everything new. The reason why we call this church restoration is because we believe God himself is a restorer. That the story that we actually gather around, the mission we actually gather around, that we see in the scriptures is the story is a mission of Restoration, because at its heart, God is, God is, God is a restorer. He takes what is broken. He takes what has been broken apart, and he makes it whole again. And so both cosmically, big picture, and personally in us, God is working right now to restore, to bring us back together again. This is, this is the gospel that we proclaim, that Jesus is risen, that Jesus is Lord, and he alone has our highest allegiance. And in this, we al align ourselves with this mission of being restorers. We believe that Jesus is restoring people who restore the world, and our mission is to join them. I don't know if you know that's our mission statement as a church, that we believe Jesus is restoring people like us who then restore the world. And our mission is, is not to start it, is not to go out into the city and go out into our neighborhoods and our relationships and then God shows up because we know we believe in joining the work that God is already doing around us. We cannot offer the world a restoration that we ourselves are not receiving. 
that we ourselves are not receiving. And so in this, we understand that God's restoring work flows out of the love that he's given us, out of the love that he is offering us in this moment. We will never learn that love, however, in isolation. Love by nature is relational. Love by nature is what we do together. And so love alone on our own becomes a hypothetical idea, becomes a theological treatise with we agree with, we assent to mentally until we step out of the isolation that we are trained to live in in this country and we enter into life in community. Because Jesus is a restorer and because love is what restores us. And because love is not found on our own, but love is learned and experienced, received and given in community, this is why we are so passionate about connecting each other in relationships and belonging. Paul writes about this in Ephesians chapter 3 at the end. And this is a prayer that he prays for the Ephesian church. But in extending this, he's praying this also for us. He starts with this. He says, I pray that you being rooted and established in love. Love requires, my friends, that we put down roots. Love requires that we stay, we put down roots, and we grow together. Paul actually uses two words here to describe this. He uses this word roots which is pretty clear here. But this word established is the word in the Greek that means to build a foundation. The restoring work that God is doing, Paul gives us two different pictures meaning the same thing. The thing we build our lives upon. The very foundation on which everything is built. Where our roots grow down deep is love. It cannot be built on how good our Christian behavior is. That will fail. It cannot be built upon the rightness of our doctrine, even though that's important. It can't even be built on our passion for justice and good works, good things. But all of those things will falter. We can only build upon the love of God that we have and we receive together. What will not fail is love. What will not falter in our sinfulness is the love of God. All of these things, even with the best of intentions that we have together as a church family, they only find their part growing out of the roots of the love that we have planted in God. You will not build a successful church. You will not build a healthy family. You will not build Christian life on anything but the love of God. And the beautiful promise of the family of God that we see as Paul continues to pray this outward over us is something that's way bigger than we could ever experience on our own. Here's how he continues. He says, I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people. To grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Here's, I believe, what Paul wants us to know. That there is more of God that we see together than we ever could on our own. There is more of this love that we're being called to, the height, the width, the breadth that we will ever be able to see in its fullness apart from all of God's holy people, he says. Because each one of us, we bear 
his image. We carry his spirit. I experience in your gifts and your image-bearing beauty in your Holy Spirit-filled life more of God than I could if I'm just living it on my, on my own. And so I enter into community hoping and knowing that as I walk with you, as my roots grow down deep with you, that I get to, even in your brokenness and even in my brokenness, I get to see more of God than I would on my own. And I don't want to limit my ability to see the fullness of the love of God, do you? And so because of that, I choose to put down roots cause of testimonies, of stories, of what is broken and what has been restored, and testimonies that will come. Our stories of these restoration works of God intertwined together, roots growing down deep, God restoring me, God restoring you, and together in sharing those stories and sharing that life, we're being restored together as one. And that's true. And I think you probably believe that. And if that's true, though, I would ask, why isn't everybody doing it? Well, because community's hard, right? Like community is one of those things in the church that everybody believes in, but when you get into it, there's this thing, and this is very, you might want to write this down, that this is the biggest thing that just makes community really hard. Write it down if you want to. People. People are hard, right? We are, we're messes. We understand. We enter into these relationships, and immediately we see sin. We see the fruit of trauma. We see hang-ups. We see all the places that you and I still need restoration. And the longer you spend in community, putting down roots with other people, the more you are likely to see, as you continue, those places of brokenness that still needs the restoring work of God's love. And sometimes when those pains and those traumas and those stories of hurt in the past and hurt in the present come together, it is difficult. Community it's hard. Life brings us to these places of pain that put us to the test. Life brings us into places where we thought we knew that we had space for moments like this, but then even the memory of a past experience of hurt in community can be very difficult to help you open the door into something new. I just want you to know I understand that. I understand that when you've had past experiences of pain and hurt, that sometimes that triggers the ideas of entering into something new. And I want you to know there's grace for that. And as we roll out and continue to see what community looks like here at Restoration, I want you to know that we see you. And you're not alone. And you're not left out. I just want you to know that. But I also know that as... I have now been in community in some form or fashion in the church for 14 straight years that I have seen in that time walking with people whose parents who've died, walking with people whose children have passed away, walking through affairs, walking through serious 
illness, walking through life-altering diagnoses, walking through addiction struggles, walking through job loss, walking through family estrangements, unimaginably painful situations. But in that pain, I have seen friends walk into the darkness. I have seen marriages find hope and restoration. I have seen reconciliation where you never thought possible. I have seen meals for families in need. I have seen prayer and counsel in moments of absolute despair and hopelessness, financial support when money has ran out, all in the deep wells of love that have been found because we made the choice, even in that pain, to put down the roots and the love of God. You see, you don't learn love when things are going good. You learn love when you're walking through the struggle, when you are walking through those places of hurt. And if you and I, my friends, if we are satisfied in our own self-sufficiency and, and the spiritual isolation that we are walking in away from, safely away from the hurts and the pains of others, let alone the pain that we feel ourselves. We, we are understanding that we're not getting the fullness of that picture. We learn, my friends, how to give and receive this love as we enter into the stories of others, as we enter into the pains and the hurts of others. I mean, love in the end goes, I think, where it's needed. Not where it's believed. Love goes where it's actually needed. And listen, I'm eternally grateful. I know my wife would agree. I have not lived apart from this idea of, of community in this church. I have been loved. We have been loved in profound ways through difficult seasons as people have walked with us. And I know this will come as a shock, but I'm not perfect. <laughs> and when you're in community with me, guess what? You can start seeing that I'm broken too. And, and, and as a pastor, sometimes that's hard because we're almost subconsciously trained to have that wall. To, to build that facade, to, to make people think that everything is fine. And people have seen me, people I've walked with in the church have seen me when I am not fine. And so when I tell you I preach on community, I also tell you today that I have been loved desperately in community. I, I preach to you not out of an idea, but out of an experience of seeing more of God in my life than I ever could on my own. I am to this day. Myself, my family is experiencing restoration, not just as a name, but as a reality in the relationships of love that we have in this church. And I'm so grateful for it. As we enter into the messy realities of our lives together, we, we come face to face with our need. People end up being mirrors for our own struggles and pains. As we see theirs, we begin to, in many ways, see our own. And luckily for us, the Bible doesn't give us a detached kumbaya picture of community. The Bible is not a, a, a flowery, beautiful picture of community. The Bible presents something really messy, but really beautiful. 
Colossians 3, Paul writes these words. He says, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. I love this part right here. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you have a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect Unity. In this Greek here, in this word bear with, it's one word. It means nekamai. It means to actually stand under the weight and bear the weight of something. So as you're building in a, you know, a house or building some sort of building, there are two types of walls. There's the walls that just sort of divide a room from a room. And then there's something, as you know, called load-bearing walls. They don't just divide space. They are central to the structure of the home because if you did not have them, you wouldn't just have a lack of dividing space. You would have the lack of strength that holds the entire structure together. This is the word and the picture that Paul is, is giving us here is that as we enter into community in the church, we are becoming for one another the load-bearing walls in our lives. That we are standing together under the weight of what we carry and together in what we cannot carry alone, we become the load-bearing weight into one another's struggles. This is the picture Paul is giving us. And we can all agree on this being important because I think one theological statement everyone will agree on right now is that life is heavy, isn't it? Life is heavy. Life is not light and easy for most of us. All of us have either internally or externally experiencing a heaviness. And Paul is giving us an invitation and a picture into a kind of life together where I don't bear this weight alone. I intentionally enter into the house of God and become for you and become for me what holds up the weight of the heaviness of the life that we are experiencing together. That is the picture Paul was painting for us. So we're building a rooted and established life in love. But as we build on that foundation, it is we ourselves that become the foundation on top of that to hold up what is weighty and hurting and struggling among us. I need you. We need one another to step into that heaviness and help bear that weight Together. And that, my friends, that's when love actually moves out of a hypothetical theological equation and actually moves into our reality that we're living. Not when you agree that God loves you, not when you agree we should love one another, but when in that moment, at your worst, when things are hurting, someone walks in and holds it up with you. That's love. So let's talk about what that looks like here at Restoration. In the past, we've had almost exclusively one type of community uh, that, that was at first called city groups. And then as the pandemic came on, we called them home churches. We moved as we were not allowed to meet in this building for 57 straight weeks. Whew. That's the, that's the trauma I'm still working through on that front right there. 57 straight weeks of not being able to gather together. We moved into home churches. We put on a video, uh, 15 minutes, and Hannah did some worship and Jimmy, and we shared together when we could meet in person in homes. We did that, and when we couldn't do that, we were meeting on Zoom during that time, and God sustained us and even grew us 
at the very worst time. It was incredible. In that season, for what we needed, it was beautiful. Home churches were the lifeblood of our church during the pandemic. And I'm telling you guys, people came into our church during that time because the community was stronger. It was powerful. But as things begin to normalize what we have seen and what you've probably experienced too is that needs and seasons and pains and struggles and schedules change. And now as we get, did a, a, a recent survey for our church, we talked about how, you know, what, what, what the needs are of our community in this season. And we found that two thing, or three things were in particularly very important. We wanted deeper discipleship, deeper relationships, and different opportunities. And so for the past few months under the leadership of, of Alicia Sims, who you heard from earlier, and, and many other voices here at Restoration, we've been praying through and dreaming about what this looks like to help everyone find an opportunity to enter into these load-bearing, loving relationships, entering into the stories of others, because I know it's not going to be one-size-fits-all. In these seasons that we find ourselves in with different things, struggles with kids and jobs and all sorts of things, we need different opportunities to help people get connected. So I want to talk about four different shapes of community as we close, three in particular, and how we are reshaping our vision for community here and invite you into that. So the first one is this, one-time gatherings. You have probably already been a part of this because these, these are our pop-up parties. There are upcoming worship gathering on a couple of weeks, several Sundays from now, we're having pop-up church at Woodland Park because we're unable to meet here. These are gatherings where we can connect one-on-one and meet new friends and faces, you know, opportunities to serve, family meals, easy first steps to help people build relationships and meet new people and get connected in community. Our pop-up parties this summer have been awesome and have been a really important opportunity for relationships to build. And so I'm very, very excited about that and seeing how those are coming forward. But here are the three in terms of actual community that we're moving into together. The first one, we're going to call them community groups. These are mid-sized, ongoing groups of typically about 10 to 15 people that gather for, for community, for conversations, for meals, and serving together. This is the closest thing that we have right now to what we have done with home church. So there's already groups that are basically doing this. So if you're already doing this, awesome. Keep doing it. And primary focus of these groups are deepening relationships and life together. We are in these community groups, in particular, to enter into the stories of one another so we can build a family together, sharing our lives, sharing our stories, conversations about our faith journeys over meals and deeper connection. That's what we're aiming for in community groups. Now, we have current community groups. Let me tell you now, we want more community groups. We believe in this room, even there are people who want to lead and even host community groups, and we are preparing to train you for that in the weeks and months ahead. I'm excited about that. But for a lot of us, what we have found right now in this season is that smaller environments with a deeper focus on discipleship is where there is a deeper need. So this is where DNA groups come in. DNA groups are smaller, ongoing gatherings of about two to five people that meet weekly for around an hour, spiritual formation, accountability, encouragement, prayer, and these groups are a safe place to really just share deeper into our stories. Uh, it's going to be same gender men and, and women doing that. Um, these groups are opportunities to process the work of God in our lives, work through how we're seeing God at work, how we need to grow, find accountability in these places. 
It's a lot less about curriculum that we're doing together and more about kind of learning to see and follow Jesus and the everyday stuff of our life. So Hannah and, and Jessica, a good pastor, have done a really fantastic job of putting together a training for this that you're going to see very soon. And we're preparing to equip you guys, if you want to lead into these DNA groups, to, to, to do that, to equip you to do that. So maybe that's just you and a couple friends meeting for coffee after the kids go to bed at like nine o'clock somewhere going out, or maybe it's guys getting up at, at, in the morning and going to a coffee shop at 7 a.m. However that works for you, opportunities to connect and go deeper in discipleship. And, and finally, the third thing I want to share with you is about uh, being, we want to be more intentional with short-term groups. Short-term groups are about six to eight weeks in length or studies. Right now, we are just closing out race, race, ethnicity, and the people of God, which has been fantastic, awesome, awesome, awesome. They've been doing that this summer. And these are opportunities to kind of dip your toe into community and just do a short-term either Bible study, book study, topical study. As we move into the fall, I'm really excited. We're focusing on prayer this fall, particularly the Lord's Prayer. And this is what we're going to do for our short-term study, how to pray. The best, most accessible book on prayer I have ever read. It is so good. And so we're going to start short-term groups around this. And if your existing community group wants to use this as curriculum for that as well, it's an easy, accessible opportunity to get connected in that. We're also hoping to see, along with something you're going to be hearing about in a second with men, but men and women's groups, we have something getting off the ground for that as well if you're interested in those type of short-term groups. So I know that's a lot of information. I would love for you to go to restorationlex.com, click on community, and you will find all of this there. You will also find a community interest form that can say, this is what I'm interested in. This is when I can meet the type of group I'm looking for. I'm interested in leading a group. I'm interested in hosting a group. We will contact you and find that for you and find a way to get you connected. I just close with this very simple statement and then encourage you to move forward in that, and that is that spiritual growth, it is a community project. It is not something we do on our own because if love is the center of what God is doing in us and through us, love never exists in isolation. It never finds its meaning and fullness until we step into these places. So help us help you into those intentional places and find community at restoration. Amen? All right, that's a lot. RestorationLex.com, click on community. Lord Jesus, thank you for the leadership of those in this church who have been working towards freedom and wholeness and deeper relationships together. Thank you, God, for what you have done in seasons past, and I thank you that you are bringing renewal and restoration in the here and the now. So Lord, as we enter into this time of communion together, we do so remembering first, that we have been united to you by the body and blood of Jesus, shed for our sins.